When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just a reminder that Big Mood, Little Mood with Daniel M. Lavery happens twice a week. Slate Plus members get an additional mini episode or Little Big Mood every Friday. Sign up now to listen at slate.com slash mood. Welcome back to Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny Lavery. And with me in the studio this week, literally in the studio this week, it's very exciting, is Julia Mouncey, a director and writer whose work is going to involve saying so much German, and I'm going to give it my best. Her work has been presented at Under the Radar at the Public Theater, Soho Rep, Jack, Dixon Place, the Radical Jung Festival at the Munich Volkstheater, and the Deutsche Schauspielhaus in Hamburg. Nailed it. I should have said Hamburg at the end. I didn't make the discount, the dismount quite, but... Um, Close enough. I'm just excited that you're here. I'm proud that you're here. I feel good that I spoke so much German just now. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you weren't part of the, I guess, moderate Young Festival. No, I'm radical. And I'm young. I Technically. I appreciate that. I also want our listeners to know if I sound different today. It's because I'm wearing a thumb ring. I don't usually do that. <laughs> and I feel like it's going to... It's going to add something to the advice. I just want you to know today, if this is your letter that we're answering, you are going to be getting advice from one person wearing a thumb ring. And that really... What's it going to do? It's going to make you more forceful, more authoritative? It's like a certain kind of like really wonderfully gross guy that like I love (laughs) who's like maybe adjacent to like beachcomber culture. It's very... You're sort of like outing yourself as being from California. It is. And I don't always do this. Like I don't often bust out. I have a bunch of like fucked up guy rings Mm -hmm. that I only wear when I'm really like feeling myself. Totally. And it really, it changes the way that I walk. I think the the minute weight of a thumb ring changes Mm. your whole gait. You're leaning over. You're mostly. (laughs) Leaning to one side. You're mostly prancing. (laughs) Um, It it, it does lead to prancing, uh, which I think is necessary because. Prancing. uh, Interesting. Yeah. But like, you know, self-assured prancing. Self-assured prancing. Yeah, prancing with solidity to it. Not mincing, which is special, but it requires different jewelry. Right. I'm going to try that. A self-assured prance. I think you could absolutely pull that off. Yeah. You very much, very much to me, feel like a person who has recently been turned into a person from a deer. Like by a by a fairy of some kind, right? So it would so self assured prancing might come naturally to me. Yeah, like your first day or two, there's a lot of tottering, Mm -hmm. but but then you've got the prancing, the mincing, you've got all kinds of gates open to you. Have you seen that meme that's like every girl is a is either a deer, a bunny, a cat, or something else? I have not seen that meme that says or something else, but I really like. I can't remember. I like the way it just trails off. It's like you're either one of these three things. No, 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 no. There, there is a fourth thing. I just can't remember what it is. But uh, you can categorize all girls into those four creatures. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll leave that to the jurisdiction of girls. Okay, Um, that's outside of my assies, right? But um, what's in my assies is this wonderful gay friendship. That we're going to be advising mm-hmm. first. I, I really, I think what I like the most about this letter 
is this person is describing a friend of theirs who's been miserable dating women and miserable <laughs> dating men. Mm. And I don't obviously want misery for this person forever, but I do appreciate that sort of uh, reminder that sometimes bisexuality makes everything worse. Totally. And there's not necessarily one magic gender that's going to make you real happy. It's sort of more money, more problems. A little bit. Situation. Yeah, a little bit. So the subject here is he's in the business of misery. And uh, here it goes. My friend Alex is 27 years old. Two years ago, he ended a long-term relationship with his fiance. From the outside, everything looked all right, but he seemed somewhat indifferent most of the time. He then got into a stormy relationship with an older woman in her 40s or 50s who was sometimes violent, who isolated him from his friends and emptied his bank account. He came to me occasionally for advice and support. I'm a gay man in my early 30s, and for the record, I've only ever felt friendship for Alex. I really felt that, like, anxiety, and I just want to say, like, Letter writer, I totally believe you. Please don't worry that we're going to say, like, it sounds like you really have a crush on Alex. That's your problem. So just, I, I, I did a show earlier this week where somebody else was describing a problem and then offhand mentioned how, like, a bad shrooms trip made it worse. Mm. And they had a little asterisk of, like, I really don't have a substance abuse problem. Like, please don't make this about right. that. Right, please like, believe me. I don't think anyone, I mean, maybe one person has had, like, a, an exclusive psilocybin addiction, but, like, I've never met anyone who's had that. You'd I'm have sure to work exists. so hard. You'd have to really work at it. So I guess I just I feel like what I'm getting from letter writers this week is like a fear of being like misinterpreted based misinterpreted on like one judged. piece of mm. information. I, mm. I don't want to I don't want to misinterpret or harshly judge any of you. So no, that's not what we're here for. Yeah. So back into the letter. I have ADHD and autism that sometimes makes interactions with other people hard to parse. I told him to leave her and file a police report, but he was very torn. Eventually, she moved out, taking a lot of his stuff with her. Recently, I learned that Alex has moved in with an older gay couple. They all share a bed, but he says he's not enjoying the sex as such and almost never gets off with them. They treat him better than his ex did, but most of his salary goes towards rent. Apparently, he's paying all of the rent for most of their food and does the cooking and cleaning. The others go out together, but he's not welcome to join. I ask him what he gets out of it, and he says that he likes feeling needed, but that he longs for a real relationship, but feels that he's not worthy of having one. To help them, and the woman he was with before, makes him feel like he has a purpose. He says that even though he doesn't like the sex, it's not abuse because he's doing it for their sake, and he pretends to like it. I have asked about all of his relationships, and he says that he's been just as unhappy in all of them, but in different ways. Therapy would be my choice, but he doesn't want to talk to anyone. We've known each other since we were kids, and I think I'm the only friend he has left, and he has no family near him. Hmm. I um, I haven't read A Little Life. Me neither. I imagine <laughs> a lot of this is the plot of A Little Life. A Little Life, uh, forgive me, sad friends. Sad friends. Mm -hmm. And at the center, really sad guy, mm -hmm. name of Jude, who, who just kind of goes through the mill. Right. He's like, yes. uh, you know, if, if Les Miserables... If all the suffering of all of France in the 19th century was concentrated in, in one gay man, mm. that's him. Dang. Yeah. Unlucky. So he's the people. He's suffering. the people suffering. Yeah. So on the one hand, lots going on here. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it's all going on at sort of a remove. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's both understandable that the letter writer feels real concern for their friend, especially given that he's fairly isolated. But on the other hand, I think it's important to bear in mind that we have not been asked by Alex 
What do right. I do? So the question is really just, what's a good way to try to be useful to someone who has sort of limited interest in making a lot of changes right now? And I don't know if you have a strong sense of where you would want to start. Yeah, who's not necessarily seeking a solution or help. I don't know. I mean, it's always a tough situation to to sort of make a call on if you're going to go to someone and say, I think you need help when mm-hmm. they have not come to you and said, I think I need help. Right. And I guess that's tricky because there is that line. He comes to me occasionally for advice and support. Right. So it's like occasionally Alex will say like, I need help, but it's more like venting or mm-hmm. maybe I want help uh, with this specific problem, but I don't want you to advise me on whether or not I should be in this arrangement. Right. Feel- he's, he's not coming. It doesn't seem like he's coming to his friend and being like, man, I really got to change my change my vibe. Mm-hmm. And it is it is difficult. It's difficult to tell someone, I think you ought to leave your partner or your partners in this case. Mm-hmm. And if they say no, what do you do? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you you could try, I guess, to drive home the point further and like really put your foot down, but you have such limited ability to enforce putting your foot down. It's it's a little bit like once you play that card, you have no card left to play. Yeah, exactly. And it feels like a sort of big risk, high reward thing to really kind of start that conversation with somebody. I wonder, I might be reading into it too much, but I wonder if, Maybe it's safe to say Alex doesn't enjoy being single or is avoiding being single. Mm-hmm. Sort of what I'm getting. I don't want to like assume too much. But um, in my experience, being single can be kind of like a, I don't know, kind of like a balm sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be very rewarding. And even time not having sex for a while can be rewarding. Mm-hmm. And um I don't know. I guess if I were to recommend something to Alex, it would be to think about that, maybe. Yeah, you know, I think so, too. It feels like Alex is somewhere in between. It's not that he's not at all curious about solitude, Mm -hmm. because he's sharing some of this with a letter writer. But he's also said a number of times, uh, you know, but I like to feel needed. I don't don't want to leave. Um, And... Mm. You know, I think in a situation like this where it's clear that your friend is in a lot of distress and is in a pretty, like, disadvantaged position in this relationship. Mm -hmm. But I also do, um, you know, without any more information, I can understand why he's saying, um, I mean, they're clearly taking advantage of him. But whether or not that shades into abuse, I think we don't need to necessarily try to adjudicate. No, um, that's and, kind of impossible to know. And if he's saying, well, I fake all my orgasms and they don't notice, I, I wish he wouldn't, but, sure, you know. It's not ideal. It's not ideal, but, like, I, I also wouldn't put that on them. I, I agree that it's a little unusual to, frankly, it feels like he's got sort of the worst of both worlds. Like, he's kind of a boy toy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he moved in with an older established couple. Yeah. But then he's also kind of their sugar daddy. Yeah, and kind of a caretaker for them. Yeah, um, which is not amazing. No, it's not amazing. Um, and especially because he's paying apparently all of the rent for all three of them. And I, I guess if nothing else, I would just, it, it sounds like he maybe makes a lot of money because his last girlfriend took all his money and now he's paying rent for somebody else. So I wonder if part of what maybe. is difficult for him is like he has a lot of cash in reserve. Yeah, and, and, I, and I wonder if to be fair, maybe he there is a part of him that takes pleasure in being sort of the provider in those really concrete ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's something for this friend to take into account. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I think what do you do when you have awareness of a friend's unhappiness and you're not sure whether this rises to the level of a strong intervention or on the other hand, I actually want you to stop complaining to me about this because you don't want to change it and it makes me feel sort of frustrated. So I wonder if there's something kind of in between an intervention versus stop complaining about your partners because they're all terrible and you never listen to me. Do you see anything kind of in the middle? Like, Say that again. So I feel like the letter writer could go in one of two directions. Um, mm-hmm. And I think neither one is quite called for yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of one extreme would be, hey, I just need to like say this and I really hope you hear me out, which is you are in a terrible relationship. This sounds abominable. Mm-hmm. I really think you need to leave like right now. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, assuming, all right, I've told him to leave partners before. It never works. Right. Instead, what I want to do is say, you know, I think you should leave. I don't mm-hmm. think you're going to, but like, mm-hmm. You know that there's therapy. You know it's possible to leave people. I hope someday if you are ever ready to do so, you let me know. But in the meantime, I want you to stop sharing all these details about how your partners make you unhappy because it's driving me nuts hearing you complain and then not want any solutions Mm. or to change anything. Yeah. And that feels a little harsh in a different direction maybe. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering if there's something in between like, I'm going to like rescue you from your boyfriends even though you don't really want to be rescued versus stop complaining, I'm sick of this. Yeah, stop complaining, I'm sick of this. Obviously, wouldn't word it like that. But I think there is, I think there can be something to that approach of being sort of trying to respect that they are just not ready to change their life in 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 this way that the friend thinks that they should. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like they should from from the way they're being described. But, you know, it might have an effect on Alex if this friend, like, sets a boundary in that way. Like, listen, it it pains me to see you in the situation that you're in, but you don't seem to want to change it. And it's it's not to make it about me, but it makes it a little bit painful for me to, like, keep hearing you be in pain about this. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you don't want to change anything, then maybe we need to put a boundary around how we talk about this because it's tough. Yeah. I, I, I think mean, that's pretty compassionate. Yeah. I mean, sometimes... uh sometimes it can be a good tactic to help someone if you're really, really stuck with someone to 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 bring yourself into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if the pushing isn't working and the advice giving isn't working, you know, sometimes you eventually just have to be like, look, this also causes me pain, Yeah, you know, and I got to like draw a line somewhere mm-hmm. or not draw a line, but like you got to illustrate to them that it affects you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I think that's reasonable. And that doesn't mean I never want to hear you talk about how you're doing again. Of course. But just to say something like, in the future, I might need to limit some of these conversations. Yeah. Or I might need to just say, I let me stop you there. I love you so much. I know how hard this is. We've talked about this a lot before. Mm-hmm. And I really, really think you should consider other options. And if you don't want to do that right now, that's okay. But then let's talk about something else. I think there's something to that approach. And it's sort of, um, I guess, just because it's personally, I feel like I have the conversations with friends like that, mm-hmm. or I've been the Alex that have been helpful for me, because sometimes people just talk to you about your problems like they're only your problems and they mm-hmm. just exist in your world and they do not affect your friend outside of them feeling kind of sorry for you. Mm-hmm. And um, it can just be a little bit of a wake up call sometimes yeah. for your friend to be like, listen, I love you and mm-hmm. this, it affects me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And this letter writer doesn't say much about 
what the rest of their friendship looks like outside of mm-hmm. Alex's bad relationships. But that bit at the end of, I'm the only friend, I think I'm the only friend he has left and he doesn't have family nearby, mm. makes me think that maybe this is one of the primary things you and Alex talk about. Yes. And so not that that means you don't really care about him or you only are doing this out of obligation, but one of the things that suggests to me is if the majority of your time together is spent talking about his bad romantic relationships, I, I can see how both you would feel real compassion for his suffering and also a sort of sense of, this isn't really a friend anymore. This is more someone who just turns to me for support a lot. Like there's not a lot of mutual uh, conversation going on. There's not a lot of reciprocity. He's not asking me how I'm doing. Mm, And so again, that doesn't mean like yell at him or get cross. But I think another benefit of limiting these conversations would be either, you know, he doesn't talk to you anymore at all and you can just kind of like wish him well. Or you're able to actually talk about some of your shared interests or other things going on in your life and rebuild more of a connection. And sometimes that can be a helpful tactic, too, is to just like um, it's hard to tell how much the letter writer has has pushed Alex to Mm -hmm. to think or talk about this. That that's not uh, something that I have a sense of. But sometimes a good tactic can be to to kind of back off for a little bit and just kind of be there's something to be said for providing a little bit of superficiality for a friend yes. and being able to talk about other things. Because sometimes you're talking about something totally different and your friend is like, oh shit, mm-hmm. that makes me realize that my relationship sucks. Yeah, yeah. Or like if you are the only pressure valve he has to release this tension mm-hmm. and you redirect some of this and he realizes, oh, this is actually less bearable now. He might make yeah, another decision. Yeah, totally. So there's something to be said for um for backing off. And, you know, I never want to encourage someone in the direction of the like, you know, copy pasta, like, thanks for reaching out. I'm at capacity right now. No, um, but I hate that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I mean, sorry, I don't hate it. Sometimes you got to, you know, draw I don't a line, hate the idea of telling someone I can't talk about this right now, but yeah. I hate the like HR boilerplate. Yes, I hate speech. the sort of form letter. Yeah, which I, who style? doesn't, right? Like most people would hate that. Um, I don't know. Some people really yeah, dig it. Maybe. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, I would I would say maybe at most, is just like a brief conversation kind of letting him know, I'm going to be doing a little bit less of this in the future. And I just, I I Mm -hmm. encourage you to think about this, which is like, if you are pretending to enjoy sex that you don't, your partners will never be able to read your mind. You're the only person who can stop doing that. Yeah. Um, And and none of that's to say like, you're not allowed to, or you should feel shame or, or this is a problem. Just like, if you ever want that to be different, by definition, you're the only person who can stop faking enjoyment. And so that one is just, no one's ever going to come rescue you from that. No one's ever going to stop that on your behalf. And so I just, I hope if you ever decide to make a different choice about that, you you do. Um, and then totally. same thing, like if you are ever wanting to deal with this part of you that says, I want a real relationship, but I feel like I'm not worthy. Again, like you can get help with that. You deserve help with that. But you're the only person who's going to be able to get to a different place about a sense of worthiness. And so just like, I hope someday totally. you do reconsider singleness therapy and like reassessing your relationships. But then in the meantime, I'm not going to tell you again that I think you should break up. You know, I think that you should, but I love you. Yeah. And if you decide not to, that's still your choice. Yeah, solid. Yeah. And at the same time, try not to, um, you don't have to also shame yourself for the things that you do want in a relationship. Like it's okay to want to be a caretaker or you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. You could and just have a better unhappiness. Totally. Listen, unhappy families, what is it? You know. Sure. I know the line. 
I, I, I was thinking... Do we even need to say it? Do we even need to say it? Um, I was thinking, too, of, of that scene in Jane Eyre where she's, like, trying to think about what she would imagine for her life. And she she can't imagine things like freedom, romance, excitement. Mm-hmm. And so she sort of, you know, thinks, like, what can I actually imagine? And she's like, a different servitude. And so that's, like, her prayer. It's like, wow. grant me a different servitude. And That is real. Even, you know, I, you don't have to ask for the moon, but I think it is just sometimes really challenging to let someone you love choose something that they know makes them unhappy. Um, and then it's just a question of, okay, well, I can't really talk to you that much yeah. about the thing that you've chosen making you suffer. I would like you to resign from the hitting yourself society. And I, yeah, I cannot pull you out of this cycle. You gotta, you gotta do it yourself. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. I really like this one. This one's great. This is like a mix of like Peyton yeah. Place and uh, Harper Valley PTA. Yeah. <laughs> and I do really want to encourage this letter writer to just lie more, but we'll, we'll get there in a second. <laughs> I, I told you, I have a thumb ring on today. Anything can happen. Right, yeah. Things are getting crazy in the Slate studios. <laughs> the subject is my mother, my enemy, which is just beautiful. Beautiful. Classic. You know, mm-hmm. who among us Simple. does not know that feeling? Mm-hmm. My mother is an extremely conservative, recently elected right-wing politician. I'm not. Oh, right. It's, I'm not like <laughs> right-wing, but it makes it sound like I'm not, I'm a, not recently, a recently elected politician. Yeah, which Love is like, that qualifier. makes sense. Like, we're not a mother and daughter political team. You should um, have opened, he should, should have opened with, they should have opened with, uh, I'm not a recently elected right-wing politician, but my mother is. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been better. Not to, you know, sorry, not to tell you how your, to write your letter. Yeah, yeah, but just saying. I'm not. And I've respectfully made my views known to her. Great. She's now started using me as a sort of sounding board of what her critics might say to refine her media lines. I'm conflicted. It feels like helping her disguise her true views just to make them more palatable. It is. But I also feel like I'm stopping her from spreading more hateful rhetoric and stigmatizing or untrue statements. You're not. After talking to me, she set up a committee with experts to hear their advice about a proposed law. 
although I have no idea if it's window dressing or genuine. It's window dressing. Wow, this thumb ring is really Damn, speaking through me today. The thumb ring is putting a lot of asterisks. I, I don't on normally the offer like in-person rebuttals. I just it feels very like, yeah, you're like lying you're, to you're, yourself. Some strong feelings are coming up for you in a totally understandable way. Let's make space for it. But let's be honest. <laughs> okay, I will stop rebutting, especially because now we're getting into more personal stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Growing up, my father abused my mother. Because of that, my mother did not have the capacity to be a good mother. She was emotionally abusive and neglectful. One of the most extreme examples is that she would control and restrict my food. Eventually, this stunted my growth. Things got better once I moved schools and a friend started sharing her lunch with me until I was able to get a part-time job and start buying food for myself. My father left my mother several years ago, which allowed her to work and eventually become a politician because she's so much happier now. She's also a much better mother. She definitely still conditionally loves me. I'm queer and my mother sort of ignores it. And I don't bring it up because it's actually really nice to have maybe 50% of a mother for the first time. I don't expect to be able to rely on her. And I have no expectations. I'm trying not to say anything. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Keep we'll going. go back. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to that line. Okay. I have no expectations. But I do just want a relationship with her and to be open to the possibility of her surprising me by doing motherly things. I want her in whatever limited way she can be. I'll take that line again. That sounded weird. I want her in whatever limited way she can be a mother to me. It just feels like there are too many secrets. Before she was elected, I could tell when appropriate, obviously. I'm a teacher and it would come up sometimes. People that I grew up in an abusive household. But now because she's a public figure, I feel like I'd be outing her by doing so. Coincidentally, I also just started a new job. Now helping her cover up her views feels like the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't really know what to do. I would really appreciate a third party's perspective on this because I'm way too close. I don't want you to tell me to find an amazing chosen family because it's just as valid (laughs) or find an amazing therapist or stop doing the don't ask, don't tell. Yes, I know that's also a secret or some other magical solution. I have looked for support groups for children who grew up with family violence. There are none I can access. What I do want is advice on whether I should keep my mother's secret that my father abused her and or the ethics of helping her disguise her very conservative views. Hmm. I really, like, feel for this letter writer. Yeah, You know, I I think this letter writer sounds pretty young. Mm -hmm. um, And I think especially if you've dealt with two pretty abusive parents, and then you're sort of faced with the prospect of a pleasant-ish relationship with one of them as an adult, it can feel a little bit like, this is... This is the brass ring. Like, this is the carrot. I might get a decent parent after all. And yeah. I can really appreciate how desirable that is. Yeah, I could get a decent parent unless I rock the boat, I guess, is the fear. Maybe. Yeah. And so I, I do want to, like, adhere to this letter writer's commitment right now to staying in a relationship with their mother. Absolutely. Like, I'm not going to impose course. my own... Uh, you know, sense of what I might do in your situation on you, letter writer. But I do think it is worth thinking about the sort of way you preempted alternative possibilities um, in terms of like amazing chosen family, amazing therapist, which is, I, I again, mm-hmm. like I really, I, I, I warmed to that. I can appreciate that. I also sometimes when I feel like I'm faced with a decision where I don't have great options, yeah, I want to like preempt and dismiss what other people would say to me. Yeah, like, like, I've tried this, I've tried that. Or I don't want to try this, and I I need to decide in advance that it wouldn't work. Yeah, well, I I think that's the question that maybe this letter writer needs to ask themselves. It's like, do you you not want it because you've tried and it doesn't work for you, or do you not want to try it? 
Yeah. And I mean, I think I, I can appreciate, like, I wouldn't be able to find someone who could emotionally, like, bear as much weight as the figure of the mother in the next year. Mm. And I think that's part of why I can appreciate and also want to, like, gently encourage the writer to like, let go of a little bit of that sarcasm of, like, anything like an amazing chosen family is something that you'll know you've accumulated in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. It's not something you just pick yeah. up overnight. Yeah, you can't go shopping for a chosen family. Yeah, and and you don't know until you've been through, like, conflict and difficulty and pain with other people that you have a relationship that stands the test of time. Yes. So you might find, like, six great friends this year, but, like, check in again in five and see where you are. Yeah, yeah, you might wake up in four years and be like, oh, shit. Yeah. Found that chosen family. Oops. Yeah, and, and like, uh, you know, a therapist isn't a person who, by virtue of their own amazingness, fixes everything in you. It's like a no. professional who facilitates a certain kind of conversation, imaginative space um, where you notice uh, and develop new ways of thinking about patterns that exist in your totally. head. At the same time, I do, I de definitely sympathize with the frustration of the attitude of like, don't tell me to find a therapist because it, you know, it's hard to find a therapist yes. and it's also not for everybody. And uh, in my experience, it's been extremely helpful, but, yeah. but uh, it's a little bit like, um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like when people are like, you got to find a therapist, it's a little bit. Mm, it can like, be a dismissal. A little bit dismissive and a little bit like um, saying you have to find a boyfriend or you have yeah. to find a girlfriend. Yeah. Um, it's like, I don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I mean that. Maybe yeah. scrub that. <laughs> and, no, no, no. I, I, I do hear it. Just like pick, uh, acquire this type of person. Yeah. And then problem solved. Yes. And I, I get that. And and I think just the last thing I'll say about that little section is some other magical solution. Again, like letter writer, I think you're aware there's like some contempt prior to investigation here that might hold you back. None of this is to say you need to do any of these things. I just want to encourage you. It's possible that someday you might also want to see a therapist for a little bit or someday develop a close friendship that you know, years down the line, you feel like, you know, this does feel kind of like a sibling relationship. Yeah. And so none of that's to say, go get those things to fix your feelings about your mother. Just, I wouldn't want you to write them off out of hand. I, again, I, I want to respect your, you know, maybe limited ability to find something right now. But I also just don't think it's true that there's no support group for children who grew up with family violence in the world that you could access. I was going to say. That seems like an overstatement. Again, I get it if it's like, I'm not up for it, or there's only a handful that are local to me and they're not on nights that are convenient. Yeah, or maybe you went and you hated it. Yeah, all of that would make a ton of sense. I just, I, I think it's important to state things clearly without adding like emotional truths that feel true, but aren't like, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's one in the world that you could go to a Zoom meeting to tomorrow. And that doesn't mean you want to go to that one or even that you should, but it's not quite the same thing as there's nothing for me. I'm too unlike other people. It's mm -hmm. that sort of like terminal uniqueness that we can sometimes get into when we're feeling really lost yeah. in our own suffering. Yeah, it's very easy to get into that attitude of like my pain is unlike anyone else's pain, but it it it, it does you a disservice. And frankly, I would say probably more children of extremely right-wing politicians share an experience like this than otherwise. Mm -hmm. Maybe not more than otherwise, but like this is, and again, none of this means like, oh, this happens all the time. It's not a big deal. You're not special. You are special, but you're not unique. Mm -hmm. This happens a lot. I get letters like this a lot. There are mm -hmm. a lot of people in your situation. And again, that does not mean you don't matter or that this is not a real problem. No. But I don't want you to feel like this is a problem that separates me from other people. Yeah, you're, you're, not, you're not alone in this. Yeah. So then, 
given all that, you know, letter writer, I realize I just kind of came in kind of hot, especially like. It's okay. You, you got passionate. Yeah. Like you are helping her disguise her true views. You are not stopping her from doing anything. You're helping to launder something. Totally. The, the, commi- the committee is totally window dressing. You know her commitments. She's an extremely conservative right-wing politician. Mm-hmm. Those are her values. You're, mm-hmm. not, you're not blunting them. You're not making them a little bit better for other people. Yeah, there's there's no assuaging or there's no um there's no what's the word? You're you're not a uh, you're not Trojan horsing anything. Yeah. And, that said, uh, I don't think this is like, wow, you've got such a position of power in your mother's like cabinet or whatever <laughs> that you now have like an ethical conundrum before you. These are like occasional one-off conversations that you're having with her. Mm-hmm. I do think you should do a little bit more of, you know, I really don't know. Like just kind of going a little blank rather than like yeah, helping. or even I even think that there is a healthy way of 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 being like eh, I, don't, I don't really want to talk about that. Yeah, or like I mean, maybe the the more the more diplomatic way to do that is is what you said, which is like I you know I don't really know how I feel about that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, which again there can be real truth to that, or just like um, again you don't have to go full contradiction, but you, you since mm-hmm. you have also previously respectfully made your views known to her and it apparently went okay. Mm-hmm. I think you could also have grounds just to say, you know, I'm glad you're like talking to a committee and asking other people for perspective, but uh, I'm not really comfortable doing this. Um, or you know yeah, that I don't totally. see eye to eye and I, I don't really want to yeah, like, do anymore. I don't really want to, you know, have this kind of role in your life also, yeah. I think and, is a very fair thing to say. And you don't have to say it in a way that's like, and I, unloving, you know, and I hate you. Yeah. Um, if Especially if like your main goal is to prioritize the emotional relationship you're able to have with her. But I would just suggest... Uh, like gracefully declining more often Mm -hmm. or just expressing a lot more uncertainty rather than like handing her a talking point. Um, Or, and this one is just for fun, you could also just lie. You could make stuff up. (laughs) You could say like, you know what young people really like to hear and then say something totally untrue. You know what Gen Z is super into right now? Absolutely. It's uh, killing elephants for their ivory. Yeah. Yeah. That's come back in a huge way. Yeah. They're huge um, uh, trips. Poaching. Poaching is really coming back. Kids love (laughs) new ivory. And she'll be like, huh, okay. Okay. All right. Poaching committee. Let's do it. Yeah. So at least on those terms, uh, the helping her like plan her strategies, I think, disengage. Yeah. Can I ask you something? Please. Because the line, I have no expectations, gave you pause. Mm Mm-hmm. It gave you pause like a dog. Yeah. I mean, I think the letter writer is kind of aware because they immediately followed it up with, but I do want X, Y, Z. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and I, I understand. I wasn't trying to like get the letter writer in like a gotcha moment. I wasn't like, ha ha, you, you know, you didn't fool me. I know. Like, sure. But it's like, you, you, you should be honest with yourself that you do have expectations. And that's, it's okay to yeah. have expectations. You should have expectations, certain ones of a parent. And to be clear, letter writer, there's so much honesty here. I, I hope it doesn't come across like I'm saying, like, you're just lying to yourself all over the place. No. I think there's a ton of honesty and like clarity and clear sightedness in this letter. And, and what's often coming up after these like painful truths is, a really human and understandable attempt to find something a little softer, a little less painful of, mm-hmm. is this possible? Yeah. So so none of this is to say, I think, that you are just like uniquely dishonest with yourself. But but yeah, that line did really stand out to me because it was like, it felt like a balance between, well, it's good not to have too many expectations for your very limited mother. And totally. on the other hand, of course you have expectations. That's so reasonable. That doesn't mean that they're bad expectations or you're setting yourself up for a fall. But like, 
Some of your oh. expectations include you want to have a relationship with your mother. Um, you would like sometimes for her to do things that surprise you in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you want to go out to eat. You sometimes want to go out to lunch together. Yeah, Those are three expectations right there. None of them are bad. None of them are anything I want to take away from you. None of them are anything that I want to say. You can't have that. Your mom is too bad. You must replace her with chosen family therapy <laughs> and like, uh, you know, Mary Tyler and, uh, Moore doing it yourself. What was the third thing? Um, support groups. Support yeah, you groups. truly fucking never go to a support group in your whole life if you don't want to. No. Um, they can be useful sometimes in the way that many things can be useful. Yeah, they're not for everybody. But they're not for everybody. Yeah. Um, hmm. So then there's that sort of question about what do I do about sharing with people that I grew up in an abusive household? Mm. And is that outing? And I, I thought it was really interesting that the letter writer was worried about outing their mother. Yeah. Especially when, you know, just like language of the closet is like their mother does not demonstrate the same care towards them or curiosity about what does being in a closet mean and is that something mm. I want to help or hinder you from doing? So I guess letter writer, I'd start with number one, unless she is like, I don't know, a, a senator, which I don't, I, this to me sounds like way more like local politics. What was that first line? Recently elected. Right-wing politician. Right-wing which politician. Which could be anything from like yeah. on city council to like sure. uh, the House of Representatives. Yeah. Um. I, I guess what I would say is I, I wouldn't necessarily use language of coming out of the closet, mm. partly because you've already told a lot of people. So this is actually not a secret, right? Mm. Like you can't untell all the people you've told. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly, did you get a sense reading this that I'm a teacher and it would come up sometimes kind of made it sound like the letter writer was sharing this at work? I'm not sure what that means. I wonder if that means... um sharing it with students or I hope not <laughs> I don't, don't do that don't do that please don't ever do that uh like in solidarity I have no idea no I have no clue no, no um, clue. yeah hopefully not um yeah I'm not I'm not totally sure what they mean by that yeah I could kind of imagine it maybe like when I'm out with my friends and I'm meeting new people and they find out I'm a teacher they ask me general questions about like families and kids and like sometimes it naturally comes up Hmm. Maybe. That sounds right. But it also could be like sometimes when we're hanging out in the teacher's lounge, if we're talking about our personal lives, I'll mention right. offhand that I grew Mentioning up in an abusive workers. And again, I would say it's fine to not do that. I would probably advise generally people not to do that just because I think work conversations <sighs> should not involve work. like stories of abuse, generally speaking. Yeah. Unless you're working for like a nonprofit about abuse. But even th- sure. even then, it's like, Anyways. Even then, it's like it's uh, maybe neither here nor there. Yeah. So I would say certainly just in terms of like professional boundaries, it's great not to talk about that at work. Yeah. Which is not to say never talk about it. Right. Just don't do it at work. Yeah. Um. But then, you know, is it a, like your mother? It doesn't sound like your mother's ever said, don't tell anyone. Like you've sure, kind of assumed this would damage her reputation and she wouldn't want it. But she's never said to you, don't tell people, especially mm-hmm. now that I've been elected. So yeah. again, I think it's like... That's sort of the data that I'm I'm missing. I think it's like, um, I'm also wondering if, if the letter writer has ever talked to their mother about this abuse. Has it ever been acknowledged? Or do you have any sense of your mother's feelings about it? Is she aware that it happened? Or is she in denial? You know, there's a lot more... Um, to consider, I think, personally. Yeah, so I, I think what's going on here is the letter writer is imagining, like, the letter writer is trying to be a good mother to their mother. Yeah. And it's sort of like... Which you'd sometimes have to do. I wish my mother 
anticipated things that I might want and and planned ahead for taking care of me. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of fantasy of the mother I wish I had had. And so now I'm doing that where my mother hasn't asked for this, hasn't seemingly expressed a preference one way or the other. I mean, I, I think we can probably assume most people would rather not like walk into a social situation where everyone else had just been told something painful from their past. But yeah, aside right. from that. Or I guess, yeah, also data that I'm missing is perhaps the father is a public figure as well. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean. Maybe I, not I, since they probably would have mentioned that. I yeah, I guess I would just say it's not actually a secret. You're entitled to talk about your own abusive upbringing in terms of how you experienced it in your social life. And it's hard for me to imagine a scandal that's like conservative politician was once in an abusive marriage. Especially coming from, you know, just having conversations about it in your personal life. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's going to be any journalists. Yeah, I don't know, see that being on the face on of you. a tabloid, which isn't like, oh, it doesn't matter. No one's going to care. I just don't think that would necessarily be like in in conflict with her work. Yeah. I, I think if anything, people would be like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. But and it's good that you're being, you know, you're trying to be considerate of your mother's feelings and emotional life and um mothers controlling what you eat classic mother behavior i'm glad you brought us into that one because again <laughs> like i've i've really leaned heavy on the side of like letter writer you never have to stop talking to your mom because some fucking guy on a podcast told you to stop <laughs> and you are also allowed to like maintain relationships with a parent who abused or neglected you if you want and you're getting yes. good support elsewhere frankly even if you're not you are entitled to not get support and to do it and to just live your life as you choose and see yeah. fit. You get to choose your own unhappinesses. But, you know, there is this real concern of my mother's secret that my father abused her. And there's also your secret. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I almost feel like you. one secret is standing in for the other. Like, actually, the secret that would damage your mother's standing as a public figure would be information that she withheld food from her child to such an extent that her child stopped growing. Yeah, that's that's not great. That's that's the, that is actually the secret that would be potentially damaging. And so I think mm. you are using one as a stand-in for the other because it's less painful. Wow, and that makes sense. But it's the kind of insight you get in therapy. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to make it like but they don't need therapy now because they've got they've got you. Yeah, all you need to do <laughs> is know what your problem is, and then that's the same as solving it. Right? Exactly. So, just let a writer. I feel like I just want you to know you're. I have so much like compassion for you. I don't want you to feel like you have to do anything. If you want to just keep doing what you're doing, you are entitled to do so. I don't actually believe that like solely through a handful of one-off conversations with you, your mom is going to be able to successfully launder like extremist talking points in a way she wouldn't be able to do anyways. I think her work is bad. I oppose it. But again, like I'm not going to tell you stop talking to your mother. Um, Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's, I think it's admirable that you're, you're working on the relationship and you're trying to keep this person in your life, even though they've caused you a lot of pain. You know, the the relationship is valuable to you and there's something to be said for working hard on maintaining a relationship with a parent. Absolutely. Even though the relationship is less than ideal. Absolutely. And I think... So I applaud you for that. It's easy sometimes, especially for me in the position I'm in, where I don't speak to my parents. And I think maybe that's part of what the letter writer was sort of like trying to preempt was like, you know, you, you think everything looks like a nail because you have this hammer and like not talking to your parents mm. worked for you. And I'm worried you're going to try to apply that to me. Mm. And so I just want to acknowledge letter writer. I'm absolutely capable of doing that. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do 
uh, like sort of utopianize not talking to your family of origin mm, in a way that up. is just like not helpful or true for everybody. Definitely not. Sometimes it is, but. Often there's real value in maintaining those relationships. And just again, it's everyone's right to decide what relationships they want to maintain, even if it's not like I did a cost-benefit analysis and it's healthy. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, There's a net gain. Yeah. So I'll just say I think my last thought here is the the, the last thing that I would like to affectionately encourage you to like rephrase is that that one-two punch of growing up my father abused my mother. Because of that, my mother did not have the capacity to be a good mother. She was emotionally abusive and neglectful. Mm. There's truth in those sentences, Mm. but put together, that is not true. It is not true that being abused by a partner forces someone else to abuse a child. I really understand that that's context. I understand that you're giving your mother grace, and I'm not going to tell you you can't do that. Mm. But your mother chose to withhold food from you. Full stop. There are people whose partners abuse them and who genuinely are like unable to adequately protect their children in a way that is not good, mm-hmm. but they don't then additionally withhold food from their children. She didn't have to do that. She did. Again, y- you, don't, you don't have to stop loving her because of that. I just think it will do you more good to be honest about. It's not like my father caused my mother to withhold food from me. Mm-hmm. Um, she did that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fact that she was being abused by him at that time Again, it's like context, but it's not justification. It's not the cause. It's not the cause. Ooh, tough. And again, you still get to go out to lunch with her if you want. If that feels okay to you and you want that, do it. But just know that your mother wasn't forced into doing that. And I'm really sorry. Yeah. I wish that she hadn't. I'm Mm. really glad your friend shared lunch with you. I'm really glad that you were able to start buying food for yourself, but you should never have had to do that. No. That's awful. And your mother's got to own that, take responsibility for that. Yeah. I mean, she might never, but— She may not. Yeah. She may not, and that might be something you have to accept, but I think that's very wise, Danny, is that um, it's it's not necessarily because of the dad. Yeah. I don't know. But I also really—I mean, man, letter writer, do I understand and appreciate that desire to rescue your mother— by, like, assigning greater villainy to your father. Oh, yeah. Um, of course. And, you know, certainly in, like, the grand scheme of things, uh, when it comes to my thoughts about my own parents, I certainly think my father is worse than my mother. Mm. But I have sometimes talked about and often thought, you know, that last day that I spoke to any of the members of my family, um, I ended up not being able to speak to my mother for a variety of reasons. Mm. And I've often talked about and thought about, um, I'm really grateful but I didn't have to hear her defend the choices that I knew she was also making. Yeah. But it just felt like this little bit of like grace that I did not have to, you know, it's your mother. Yeah. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to hear your mother like that. Yeah. See your mother like that. Yeah. And so certainly in terms of like the unbearable pain of acknowledging my own mother's like deep wickedness was something that I also did not want to like look at directly. Mm. Um, And again, they're not the same. They're not the same women. We don't have to make the same choices. Just know that I really do relate to that feeling of I need to exculpate my mother. I need her to be salvageable. And you can salvage someone. You know, it's your, you know, you get to choose whether you want to salvage someone. Mm -hmm. You may at some point later realize this is actually causing me too much pain and I have to make a different decision. But you may not. You may find like you, you make it through the rest of her life and you're like, that was always a really painful, complicated relationship. But I'm so glad that I maintained contact. Yeah. And and that would be a good thing. 
before we run out of here, I have mm-hmm. one quick update or rather uh, additional thought from a listener who heard somebody else's letter. Mm. Um, you don't know it because it was an episode you weren't on. Um, but somebody okay, somebody has like a warm relationship with her grandmother, but her grandmother also has this really like 1970s New York view of the city the letter writer lives in. And it's like, you know. And it's like it's full of crime. It's like and- she thinks she's living in the movie Taken where just like she's going to be kidnapped <laughs> nine times a day. And the letter writer's like, I genuinely love her, but I don't really understand like how to deal with this. Like if I tell her anything, like I went to the movies, she like gets agitated. Wow. So I had some advice. I've already done that so I'm not going to give it again but this is from somebody else saying re-grandma McGruff I wanted to add some thoughts based on my experience I lived abroad in the early 2000s and I have an anxious mom we also have different political views and a sense of risk assessment so her anxiety about my years living abroad was high and the news (laughs) in the U.S. wasn't going to help with that my advice is based on one Seeing her anxiety grow the longer you live there actually does make sense. Instead of that time demonstrating how well you can take care of yourself, it can sometimes also just add to their anxiety. So providing more examples of how you're Mm. taking steps to be safe can sometimes paradoxically add to the anxiety balloon because it's like, look at this long list of things you have to do instead of, oh, I'm being safe, don't worry. So with that in mind, two, identify a common topic that you can both discuss comfortably, like a certain TV show, cooking, crafting, whatever that might be, as long as it's in a location that she feels comfortable talking about. Keep that alive. Try to make sure it's a mutual interest. Three, when you're describing your personal life, neutralize location as much as possible. If you want to share about hanging out with your friends at a cafe, does that story have to have a specific location? Like instead, you could just say, Bob said something really funny the other day when we were all together. And then four, if possible, you can say that stories about your life appear to stress her out and ask if there's another way that she'd prefer to hear about it. For my mother, it helped only to hear about activities after I had done them rather than before, like what I'm going to do this coming weekend, because she would spiral out. And I think naming the stress could also validate her feelings instead of challenging them, um, but without actually having to change your behavior. This is great. Thank you. You're a pro. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever you are. Well done. um, Lovingly managing your mother. It's so hard to like manage an anxious relative in a way that's not just like either total contempt or total capitulation. I know. It's it's a tough balance to strike because you also want to, you don't want to invalidate their anxiety. You can't. That, you can't invalidate anxiety. You cannot. It just makes it stronger. It just, yeah, it just it increases eats validation. its power. Yeah. Yeah, it eats it for breakfast. Yeah, so thank you. That's excellent advice. I hope the listener is able to pick up on that. Julia, you are a marvel, and I wish I had 10 rings to give you. Oh, Thank you so ten, much. I wish I had 10 thumbs to accept all the rings. Don't worry, you will. <laughs> what? It makes it sound like I'm planning some weird experimental surgery yeah. for you. You're going to give me a weird drug. I don't don't mind if I do. Um, thanks, everyone. See you next week. Thanks for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice or conversations with our guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. 
If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe you need some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our big mood, little mood, listener question form, or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. And here's a preview of our Slate Plus episode coming this Friday. I, I think for you, letter writer, giving yourself the gift of saying, I can't be the person who helps my mother decide whether or not she wants to leave my father. And so just like free yourself from that expectation. Yeah. And so just in terms yeah, of like, definitely. she feels trapped. I would really encourage you to like provide support and empathy where you can. But if mm-hmm. she's like kind of talking through, well, these are the downsides if I stay, these are the downsides if I leave. And again, don't like cut her off or say like, you can't talk to me about this, but just say like, when it comes to making this decision, you know, I hope you can get a lot of support from your therapist, which I'm glad she's seeing mm-hmm. um, and other people in your life. But, you know, I, I can't make this decision for you. And again, not in a way that's like, and it was weird that you brought it up, but just like, obviously, mm-hmm. as your child, I'm not in a good place yeah, to I make this I can't call. advise you on that. Yeah. You're my parent and he's my parent. To listen to the rest of that conversation, join Slate Plus now at slate.com forward slash mood.